Today, we're going to look at the book of Philippians. I want to talk about our future together and give us a view for the future. And I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses there. This is the Apostle Paul writing the church at Philippi and reminding them of the importance of doing things together. Same mind, same spirit, same perspective in the spirit of Jesus and Going together is going to accomplish more, and so we want to look at the future as we vision together. So Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we'll project the words. Our custom is to stand to honor God's word. Thank you for doing that as you're able. And the apostle writes, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, an amen goes at the end of that. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. We're mindful today, of course, of the Hurricane Irma that's passing over Florida this morning. And all weekend, I've been hearing stories from you about friends and family members that you know who are in who are in Florida right now, and we'll be talking about Paul and Tia Erminger and our team who are in Cape Coral this morning, and certainly at the end of the service today, we'll be in prayer for all of them, and I know you've been praying all along. I just learned after the service, one of our parishioners is in St. Thomas in the Caribbean with his mother, so have endured Irma, and now another tropical storm is approaching, and um, you know, he's hanging out with his mother on some island, and it's, and it's not safe. It's, uh, it's very tenuous, so we'll be in prayer. About 50 years ago, a guy named Bob Dylan penned a now famous song entitled, The Times They Are Changing, and we can agree times are changing. Politically, they're changing. Culturally, dramatic changes. Technology goes without saying. Changes are amazing and at high speed, and we are seeing an effect in our own culture here in the, in the United States the United States culture has become more secular. That's obvious, and by that I mean the influence of the Christian church is actually moving from the center of culture to the margins of culture, and it has its consequence. Uh, there's a reduced affiliation in local churches. There's also fewer people participating in local churches. The Pew Research refers to a new category in the United States population called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, you're filling out the application form, it may say religious affiliation, it may say Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim. At the bottom there, there's another box that says nuns, no religious affiliation. 
Pew Research now suggests that 20% of the United States population consider themselves without any religious affiliation whatsoever. In 2007, David Olson, the director of the American Research Project, reported that only 17.5% of Americans attend a, a, an Orthodox Christian church in America on any given Sunday. 17.5%. That means that 82.5% of Americans are uninvolved on any given Sunday, and that number doesn't show any signs of changing. These trends uh, are more abrupt and more dramatic on the coasts of the country, east and west, but we are also discovering in the Midwest and in the southern states, this trend is beginning to unfold. Even right here in Indiana, Indianapolis now ranks number 73 out of 100 top post-Christian cities in America. There's a criteria of several points there, but Indianapolis is now number 73 in the top 100 post-Christian. Christian cities in America. Second of all, within the church, we're facing staggering challenges. And we know that in America today, 80 to 85% of churches have either plateaued or they are declining, either leveled off or in decline. Only 15% of Protestant churches in America now are actually growing, 15%. Last year, half of the churches in America didn't add a single person through conversion to Jesus Christ. Half of all the churches in America didn't add one person by introducing them to Jesus for the first time. In 2015, we know that 3,700 churches closed down, ceased to exist in America. But the same year, let's flip this thing right side up for a moment, 4,000 new churches were started, planted, birthed into the American culture. Now, that's good news on one hand. The other challenging part, though, is that while 4,000 churches were planted in 2015, and that number continues to follow through 16 and, and, and 17, we know that the number of churches being planted is being outpaced by population growth by about eight times. So we actually need to plant eight times more churches than we actually are in order to keep pace with the population. So you hear a lot of people lamenting these numbers and and find it catastrophic, and this is horrible, this is the end of life as we know it, and, and terrible times are ahead. We can look at it that way, or we can choose to look at it from a different perspective. And the perspective I choose to look at it from is that this represents amazing opportunity for the authentic church of Jesus Christ. When you think about the first century, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't culturally, culturally acceptable to be a follower of Jesus in the first century. In fact, it was risky business to be a follower of Jesus in the first century. It was dangerous. You could, uh, you could be killed. You could be martyred for being a follower of Jesus in the first century. Now, life hasn't gotten to that extreme in our culture, of course, but it is a culture that is resistant to Christian ideas and Christian values, which I think is a perfect opportunity for the authentic church to emerge with the hopeful message of Jesus. Because regardless of all the changes that are taking place in our culture, fundamentally and essentially, people are still folks who have a need to know the Lord. They need to be forgiven of their sins and offered the hope that Jesus Christ alone provides for peace of mind, peace of heart, and peace of soul. And so the opportunity to offer Christ to the world has never been greater. Uh, you know, the light shines bright in a dark place. And so that's where we are, and that's the opportunity. So how do we respond? 
on your outline in your bulletin, you'll see that I've listed for you Union Chapel's mission statement, our vision statement, and our core values. And I want to rehearse those first two, and I'll let you read the core values on your own. We'll discuss those at another time. But our mission, that is why we exist as a church, is to help people know Jesus Christ, to grow in our relationship with Jesus, and then to go telling others about Jesus. When I, it, we are about Jesus, to know him, to grow in our relationship with him, and to help others find the same hope that we have found. Now, that's why we exist. That's who we are. That's our deal. That's our mission. We are, we are the people of Jesus, to know him, to grow in our relationship with him, and to go telling others. No, grow, and go. And then our vision statement. Our vision is simply what we are doing together as a church. Let me just remind you, there are two forces, primary forces, that hold people together in organizations, that galvanize them in, in a local church. One thing is shared history. People spend a lot of time over years together in one place around the same ideas, and they get to know each other, and they know a lot about each other, and they get comfortable with each other, and they like things the way they like them. And so what we have across America are most churches, over 70% of the churches in America are 100 people or less. And there's a, there's a sociological reason for that. Folks have gotten comfortable with themselves. Now, the problem with it is that it's hard to break in. If you're a new person trying to get into a, a, a church that, that's already closed up in its fellowship, it's hard to get through. And so this is why churches stay small, one of the reasons. The other reason, though, that people are attracted to growing churches is not just shared history. You know, we hang out together for a long period of time, but because of shared vision for the future. In other words, if that organization, like a local church, has a compelling vision, a vision that, that is inspiring, that, that calls us together for a purpose and a cause greater than ourselves, that, that's kingdom-oriented, that is strategic in its mission outlook, then it becomes an attraction to folks so that you can enjoin an organization, a local church like that, at any time along the way because of the shared vision that we have together. We can lock up hand-in-hand, arm-in-arm, and we can go together into a very fruitful future because of that vision. Gosh, any business can do this, any organization, any institution can do this, and it's especially true in the church when we do have a mandate. Now, we have a mission statement, a vision statement here at Union Chapel. A vision is simply what we are going to do together into the future. We've used the word worship, used it as an acrostic to remind ourselves, just as a memory peg, for our vision. What is it that we're going to do together? Here's the first thing. Under the W, it's win the lost. When all said and done, as I mentioned, people need the Lord. And so we're going to help people find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ because they need to know they're forgiven and accepted and loved by God. And that's the message. So we're going to keep winning people to Jesus. The next thing is we're going to have outreach to each unique generation. We don't want to skip a generation. We want to make sure every age group, every, every person along the continuum has a witness in their category so that they can find Jesus. So we're going to reach out to each generation. The R stands for relevant worship. Our core value says we're going to be culturally relevant while remaining doctrinally pure. So what we have is this 
desire to be relevant to culture, to connect, use the language, the style, the music, the, the campus ambiance, all that stuff to be attractional, relevant, while the message we preach and the message we offer is a timeless, sacred message, culturally relevant, doctrinally pure. So things change, decor changes, music styles changes, dress codes change, all that stuff can change because the method is not sacred. The Apostle Paul said, I'll do all things for all men, become all things for all men, in order I might win a few. So cultural relevance, but the message is not changed. It's sacred. The message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God. So that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to worship in a relevant way to appeal to folks. The S stands for strategic missions. Strategic missions. I want to come back to that as a primary focus this morning. And so let's move to home groups. We believe in home groups. Now, why didn't we call it small groups? Because it didn't start with an H. We needed the acrostic to work, so we needed something with H. <laughs> so home groups or small groups or life groups, whatever you want to call them, we believe in the transforming power of community. And so that's why we encourage everyone to get in a small group. Union Chapel has over 60 small groups right now. Maybe we should have 100. And during the Creed series, maybe we could get it up to 100. And this would be a great opportunity if you're not in a group to get connected. So important to do that. So home groups is our vision. The I stands for impacting the church. We simply mean by that that we want to help any other ministries anywhere. If we have assets or, or perspective that could be helpful, be a blessing to someone else to enhance what they're doing, we want to impact the larger church as much as we can. We'll give away whatever God gives us, and we will help you to become more life-giving in your ministry. We want to impact the larger church. And then finally, the P stands for practical ministry, and it, that means what it says. We want to do practical things to care for people at the point of their need, and we do that in our community and other places in the world. We support agencies locally. We have members volunteering in all kinds of organizations. We do serve a whole week of service projects. We do community service day. Um, we are the principal, the, the principal driver behind Blood and Fire Ministries downtown. And you may not know this. Blood and Fire serves 300 meals every day in Muncie, Indiana. Did you know that? 300 meals per day. That's about as practical as it gets. And as I say, we're central to that, to that ministry. And so, so we feel good about that, and we're going to be involved in practical ministry. Now let's back up. This is our vision for the future. This is what we're going to do together. If you like the sound of this vision, then you, come on and join us. Get on board. This is where we're going. We're, the train's already moving. Just jump on. Now let's get back to the strategic mission piece. Here is what all of the Christian researchers in our culture, uh, not just those who are scientists discovering these trends and, 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 and articulating these trends, but this is coming out of the, 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 the spiritual leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ in America. These are the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. They, they're saying these things, and, and virtually everyone is on the same page about this. And this is, this is the point I want to make this morning and drive it home. That planting new churches, hear it now, is the most effective way to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most effective. In fact, new churches are on average over three times more effective at reaching people for Christ who are unchurched or de-churched 
than established churches are. Let me explain. The average new church will see 10 new people come to a meaningful relationship with Jesus every year per 100 people who are participating in that church. So a brand new church will see 10 people come to meaningful faith per 100 participants in that church through the first 15 years of their life. Existing churches who've been around for more than 15 years where the number is 10 per 100 in a new church, the number drops to 3 per 100 in an existing church. And that's just for the churches that are actually growing and reaching people. So you can see that a new church is three times more likely to influence new people for Christ. And not only that, not only is new church development an opportunity to put churches in needy places where the demographics are exploding and it's a vital area, Cape Coral, Florida is an example of that where we're about to launch, God willing, about to launch Gulfside Community Church. And it's an example of this. One of the fastest growing counties in America, lots of young families, not nearly enough churches. And so it's a, it's a, it's a critical spot. And, and you might even call it uh, lively and fun and, and lots of people and lots of resources and, you know, kind of sexy. It's a sexy spot to plant a church if you're into plant, church planting. But there's another side of the story of the need, need scale. Where do we need churches? And those of us in the Midwest, we get, a, we get a handle on this because we're sensitive to it. Muncie, Indiana understands economic crisis, and we understand unemployment, and we understand people who are, who are caught up in, in, the, in the addiction syndrome and, and where families are dysfunctioning. And so there is enormous need in communities like Muncie and other areas like this in the Midwest where the Rust Belt has become so critical for ministries that pull people up, for, for ministries that, that, that focus on the marginalized and the, and the recovery culture and, and these kinds of emphases. And so church planning gives you opportunity to target where the need is great. Now let me just summarize with this. The vigorous continual planning of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for, for missions in modern America. There isn't a close second. And not only is it the most crucial strategy for numerical growth, including new people into the faith, but also stimulating and reviving and renewing already existing ministries in those areas. What the research is showing us is that more new people will come to a meaningful faith in Jesus Christ through new churches, and it will also raise the level of spiritual interest and vitality in pre-existing churches in that community as well. Nothing else is even a close second. You can talk about crusades or outreach programs or parachurch ministries or growing megachurches or congregational consulting or church renewal processes. All those things have their place and their value. But none of them compare to the effect and the fruitfulness of planting new churches. Am I convincing you? So I want you to, I want you to actually believe that planting churches is a good idea because it really is very, very strategic. Now, having said all of that, about two years ago, we began to sense that God was asking us as a local church to plant new churches. And so I got up one, one weekend and I said, all right, we have a new vision. Part of our strategic mission is we want to plant 10 new churches in the next 10 years, 10 and 10. It just seemed like a, a memory. Did God tell you that we're going to plant 10 new churches? God just told me to plant churches. 
I came up with the 10 and 10 just so we could remember it. And, it, you know, it's, and it's an ambitious goal. So I like ambitious goals. And so 10 churches in 10 years. Let me tell you what's happened since then. Let me just give you a few snapshots because I want to inspire you if I can. I want to motivate you today if I can. Let me talk first about Pathway Community Church. This is a picture of Ryan Miller and his wife, Jan, and their children. Ryan and I have been good friends for five or six years, seven years. And Ryan came to us uh, uh, about a year and a half ago and said, God's calling me to plant a church in Marietta, Ohio. He described his vision. He described the, the desire to go there. And, and I bought in. Uh, we began to partner with Ryan uh, in Late 2016, we signed an, an MOU with Ryan, a memo of understanding, and we gave him $30,000 to help launch, launch a church. Uh, Robin Wood, who's on our staff now helping us with our church planning initiatives, helped Ryan negotiate for this uh, industrial park building. Check, this is the building where Ryan's church meets. It's the nicest building in town. I've been in Marietta. It's the nicest building in town. It has great parking, everything's brand new, carpet's new, fresh paint on the walls. It's beautiful. And he's using it. Here's a couple of pictures of his church worshiping. They, they launched their church. They had over 300 people the first Sunday in October 2016. And Ryan's goal is to break the 200 barrier by this October 2017. And that's a big barrier. I was just on the phone with Ryan a, a couple of weeks ago. And he says, if we can, if we can add 50 or 60 new people we will become financially self-sustaining, which is a remarkable breakthrough because that's one of the milestones in this business of planning a new church. Usually a new church doesn't become self-sustaining financially for two or three years. And so here's a church inside of one year close to being self-sustaining. We have given him another $5,000 to help him with his marketing campaign this fall to attract more people to get him to that threshold and over 200. And here's the best news of all. In the first... 10 months, Ryan has baptized 65 people into the faith. 65 people. Amazing. His goal is to baptize 100 people before the, before the, before the October date. We're so proud of him. And what a spectacular accomplishment. And we have been central to the success of the launch of Pathway Community Church in Marriott, Ohio. Now, let me tell you about Gulfside Community Church. Now, this is Paul and Tia Erminger. Paul served on our team here for five years. They moved to Cape Coral about a year ago and started laying the foundation for Gulfside Community Church. Uh, let me just tell you about, about their status right now. Tia and the kids are in Georgia. And Emily Norville, who was on our team here, we sent with them on the team. She's also in Georgia Samantha Langdon is in Tennessee with her mother. So all the members of the team, Sally Carter, I think, is back in Muncie because she'd relocated down there too. Sally may be here in the room somewhere today. Anyway, Sally's safe and back in Indiana. So everyone on our team is out of harm's way today except Paul. Paul is actually in a shelter designated by the local government in Cape Coral in a local high school, which is the high school that we plan to launch the church in. And this is a picture of the high school. And so Paul is there today, right now. And he's there with 3,500 of his closest friends <laughs> waiting out the storm 
We've been texting with Paul the last couple of days, and some of you have been watching some of the videos he's produced on Facebook. And last night, for example, Paul had a microphone on a PA system in the high school in front of 3,360 people and was able to offer prayer for everyone. Isn't that cool? This is great. This morning, he was given permission by the school to actually host a worship service in the high school for all these people. He, he texted me last night. He said, now, will this count as our launch attendance? 3,365. I wrote him back. I said, it sounds good. Let's count it. Uh, oh, and I said, oh, by the way, what did you get in the offering? And then he went, oh, shoot. <laughs> I forgot the offering. So we're trying to have as much uh, fun with it as we can. But as you know, our launch date is next Sunday, September 17th. But now we're God willing. We don't know what's going to happen. And we'll have to play it by ear. But Paul is there and God is using him already. Think about what God may be doing, though. There's 3,000 people, 3,300 people saying, who's that guy? He's the guy who's planning a church. Where? In this building. This is, a, this is a redemptive process of God. You know, this is God's move, isn't it? He'll take what looks like destruction and bring good out of it. We know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. So it's, a, it's just a great story, and we're very excited about it. We have committed $200,000 to help Paul launch Golfside Church. Here's a picture of his core group. Check this out. His core group, they've been meeting every week now. These are the folks who have committed to Golfside Church. So we haven't had one service yet. They've been meeting once a week. He's up to 150 people in his core group. It's incredible favor. It's amazing. Look at that. That's a whole church. His core group's bigger than 80% of the churches in America already. He hasn't even started. This is the auditorium where he'll be meeting in the high school with his church. Isn't that great? It's beautiful. So all of that is unfolding as the Lord wills. Let me tell you about another new friend. His name is Jay Harvey. Jay is a Church of God Anderson pastor who's been very successful and fruitful over the years. He's about 50 years old. And Jay has a heart for, for the recovery community and for people marginalized economically. And so Jay and I have mutual friends. We were introduced several months ago, and we're building our friendship. And Jay has a heart to plant a church in inner city Anderson. I mean, downtown, across from City Hall, downtown Anderson, Indiana, for this, this demographic. And we're, and we're just a few weeks away from signing an MOU with Jay, and we're going to help fund Jay and City Church right in the core of Anderson, Indiana, helping people who are marginalized. That feels good, doesn't it? That feels good? And that's just great. Now, how many of you remember Randy and Gay Craning? Who, they were on our staff uh, 10 years here at Union Chapel. 11 years ago, we teamed them up with two or three other families from Union Chapel. We sent them to Fort Collins, Colorado to plant a church there. Fort Collins is a, is a uh, university town. It's very progressive. It's very dynamic economically. Uh, uh, the population is growing. It's a good place to plant a church, but very difficult because of the culture there. It's just hard to make inroads with the gospel. And Randy, being the great leader he is, successfully planted Mountain Life Church there 11 years ago. I went out because he had found a building. He said, this is the only building available in town. You know, if you want to if you want to open up a church building in Muncie, Indiana, you can do it. 
because you got movie theaters that are vacant, you got box stores that are vacant, you got all kinds of property. You can just buy pennies on the dollar around here if you want to, you know, hang out a shingle and start a church. You can buy a car lot in Muncie, Indiana and actually turn it into a church. I know it's possible. I've seen me do it. And so lots of opportunities that way. But in Fort Collins, those opportunities, real estate values in Fort Collins are so astronomical right now. They don't sell ground by the acre. They sell it by the square foot. If you want an acre or two of dirt in Fort Collins, Colorado, on a prime spot of real estate, you better bring millions of dollars with you. It's nuts. And, and so Randy got stuck got landlocked in this 7,000-square-foot building. I told him when he bought it, I said, you cannot stay here for more than two years because it will hinder the size of your church. And Randy, for 10 years now, has gone up to 300 and then fallen back, up to 300 and fallen. He's out of, you don't have any room. I mean, it's just like an overgrown house. It's not big enough for a ministry campus. And so all these limitations. So we've been praying for years, God, do something. Open up a door. Give us favors. Do, do, perform a miracle. We're just praying. A few months ago, Randy called me. He said, there's another church in Fort Collins. Let me just describe this church to you. It was planted about 20 years ago, dynamic leader. It grew rapidly. It grew to 2,000 people. Biggest church in the history of Fort Collins, Colorado. Someone had the foresight before real estate values went crazy to buy 27 acres of prime real estate. As the church grew, they, they built a 65,000 square foot ministry campus, beautiful facility, and then when real estate values went nuts, they sold off 10 of the 27 acres. And with the money that they got from the dirt on 10 acres, they paid off their building. So they have a 17-acre in prime real estate and a $65,000 ministry campus debt-free. Beautiful story, right? Now it spirals down for a moment. 2,000 people on average worship. Years now have passed. There are less than 100 people. That's a crisis, times, times a number. Crisis has hit this local church, less than 100 people. They can't even pay the utilities. Can't keep the lights on in this facility. 18 months ago, they began to pray, Lord Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus, Lord Jesus, speaks to this group and says, we want you to merge with another, I want you to merge with another congregation in Fort Collins. So they start vetting five or six local churches. Two denominations come in and say, we'll, we'll merge with you. We'll play along with you. You've got a $25 or $30 million ministry campus sitting here debt-free. We'd like to play in your, in your park. Randy Craning and Mountain Life Church was one of the churches that they vetted for partnership and merge. And just about six months ago, and Randy kept me informed of this whole process, six months ago they said, we've heard from God. We, know, we have great peace about this. God's calling us to merge with you. We want you, Randy Craning, to be the senior pastor of this new church. Bring your church in here and take over this operation. Here's a picture of the church. Yeah. I guesstimate it's worth $20 million. Robin Wood was just out there two weekends ago, and he came back and said it's worth at least 30, 30 million. He said it's state-of-the-art. There's a picture of the auditorium. It'll hold 1,000 people. Here's a picture of the atrium, the entryway. Come on. 
Now, in case you're confused about this, it's not every day that someone will hand you a $30 million ministry campus. That doesn't happen every day, just so you know. Randy and I talked our way through that whole process. I, you know, I was saying, you know, mergers are hard, mergers are challenging, blah, 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 blah. And God just keeps opening doors, opening doors. And, and then I said, Randy, this is in keeping with what God's been doing. And it's in keeping with the skills and the assets that he's given us to plant churches. He said, what, I said, what you need to do is, is rebrand your church. Both of these churches need to lose their names. You need to come up with a new, a new name. And then you need to relaunch the church as a brand new congregation. And we have the skill and the expertise and the resources to help you do that. He's in tears over the phone. Robin Wood's already been out there. We're committing about $30,000 for a marketing campaign. And Clearwater Church is going to relaunch sometime late this fall. We're believing there will be seven, eight, or 900 people in the first Sunday of Clearwater Church in this location. Hundreds and hundreds of people are going to come to faith. It's an amazing thing. God is at work. Do you, are you feeling it? Are you getting it? Listen to me very carefully, friends. If you take care of God's mission, he will take care of you. God's provision will always follow his vision for your life and future. And so when we talk about our vision here, and we include strategic missions, and we find ourselves on the cutting edge of kingdom initiatives, what God is doing in our generation, we find ourselves right on the edge of that. Here's what we discover. God begins to open doors. God begins to make provision. God begins to cause networking and associations and right people at the right time and the right place. And all of these things begin to fall into place. Because if you take care of God's mission, God will take care of you. That's true for you personally, that's true for us corporately. It is true. And so here's my challenge to you today. Would you pray? Would you continue to pray that God will open these doors and that we'll be sensitive to where he calls us and the opportunities he gives us? Would you also pray that God will continue to give us the resources we need? Because frankly, right now, we have many times more opportunities than we have money to do it. So, so pray. If you've made a commitment to the REACH campaign, the REACH campaign we started two years ago, it will conclude at the end of this year, we're on pace to raise about $1,300,000 for our REACH fundraising capital campaign. Uh, we're paying down the mortgage a bit. We're renovating some of the areas on our campus, and we're planting churches through the REACH money. Beth and I are right on course. We, we pledged $20,000 to the REACH campaign these two years, and we will fulfill that pledge over and above our, our tithing on top of that. If you made a pledge, fulfill your pledge. If you didn't make a pledge to reach, you can give to reach anytime in any amount, anytime you want. Feel free to do that. And then pray that people with, with exceptional resources outside of our church will hear about our vision and that God will give us favor with them and that they'll give us resources to help fulfill this part of our vision. Would you pray and would you give? And would you present yourself as someone who, who would be available to help? You know, we have a, about a dozen people or so who are scheduled to go to Cape Coral next weekend. That's all up in the air now. But folks who will go down there and serve in the nursery and greet at the door and, and just be part of the team that supports the launch of, of Gulfside Community Church.
So in all these ways, uh, God is at work. One more story and I'll quit. A few weeks ago, I was preaching at Asbury Seminary in the chapel there in Estes Chapel. And the young woman who was designated to read the scripture in the service that morning was sitting right next to my wife, Beth, on the front row. And I was uh, making a point with all the students that morning about dreaming big dreams. You know, you can't have, you can't have great stories unless you dream big dreams. And so if you dream big dreams, God, God's a big God, so dream big dreams. I mean, you can't, you can't get up and tell a story like, you know, God gave us a $30 million ministry campus if you don't dream big. You have to dream big in order to get to a moment like that. And so, and so, and so I was com- asking them to dream big dreams, and I told them about the church plant in Cape Coral, and so we're going to launch a new church in Cape Coral, Florida in just a few weeks. And the woman sitting right next to Beth, who'd read the scripture earlier, she, she perked up, just set up like this. She turned to Beth, she said, did he say Cape Coral? And Beth said, Yes. She just shook her head like this. She said, in two weeks, I'm graduating with my master's degree in two, two areas. She said, in Christian counseling and church planting. She said, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So I'm from Cape Coral. She said, I was going back to Cape Coral until God spoke to me about what's next. <laughs> so we've already connected this young woman with the Erringers, et cetera, et cetera. These are the kinds of stories that are happening. People are, people are lining up. I have a meeting on Tuesday, this week, with a guy that's highly referred, highly recommended by people I trust. This guy's got the, apparently got all the right stuff. He, wants, he knows we're planning churches. He wants to plant a church in a major city in the United States. And he's traveled all the way from the desert south, southwest of Muncie, Indiana, just to sit down and talk with me because he feels called to plant a church. And people are lining up like this, I'm telling you. God is on the move. It's very exciting. So I hope you, you can capture that excitement and be inspired by it. Well, as we conclude the service today, let's pray for our friends in Florida. I mean, they're, they're in it right now. And let's pray for God's peace. Lord, uh, this morning we thank you uh, so much for your favor and your grace and the faithful way that you order our steps and direct our paths move our lives forward. Thank you for that. We thank you for being part of a local church like Union Chapel that has been given a compelling vision for the future. It is so exciting, Lord, to be part of what you are doing. Thank you for the privilege it is to represent you in these ways. Now we pray for our friends in Florida. We Just virtually everyone in this room knows someone there, has a family member there, understands the danger. So Lord, we lift our prayers up before you this morning with millions of other people in America and around the world, and we pray for your protection and your provision and your peace. Pray for your help. Lord, help. Help those in harm's way today. We pray especially for Paul Erminger, who's uh, held up in this school. as a shelter, give him wisdom, give him boldness, give him a fresh sense of your presence. God, use him, use Paul as a witness of hope for Jesus Christ in that place today. For all the folks we know and love, we pray for them now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.